welcome to the all new, all different number one comics podcast. I am your co-host, Dan. Sitting directly across from me is the luxurious Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. I guess I could have said the transformative Bob. I, I don't know. I couldn't think of a transformer. Uh, right? Yeah, maybe that sounds weird. I don't know. Anyways. The, I uh, can't transform that. Wouldn't make sense. I, I don't know. You transform into a... Uh, like a, a, a podcaster? Sure, there you go. A podcaster by night and... Uh, who knows? Who knows what you do by day? <laughs> Anyways, that's your, your secret identity to keep, not mine to give away. We are a weekly comic book podcast where each and every episode we take a look at a brand new first issue comic book, break down the story and art, give it somewhat of a review, and let you know if we think that you should move on to issue number two or not. We also talk a little bit of comic book news when and if that exists, and that is certainly not this week, folks. I can't say that word. And we also uh, let you guys know what's new at comic book shops this and next week. This week we will be taking a deep, deep dive into the all-new number one from Skybound's, uh, I, I don't know, imprint over at Image Comics. Bob? I'm going to say Skybound slash Image. There you go. That sounds good. My personal favorite, Transformers number one. That's right. We went back to the well here. We are at Transformers. We couldn't uh, not do Transformers for Bob, of course. This is uh, this has to be done. It's, it's inevitable, um, like Thanos says. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and we uh, are going to be talking about Transformers number one today. We're going to take a quick break, though, and uh, we'll return and, I don't know, talk about whatever's next. And we are back, and Bob, in case I forgot to say it, this is episode number 39 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. I do 38 think, more times. Yeah, I, I, I do think I forgot to say that. Um, Bob, we're in the news section, but unfortunately we've hit that <laughs> weird, uh, I don't know, speed bump in the road where that, there's not any that, news. That dead period. Yeah, I, hate, I hate the dead period. It's the dark ages. It really is. There's no news. And then on top of that, we're not really going to get much comic book news because everybody's wrapped up in New York Comic Con right now. So, uh, you know, if anything comes out of that, that'll be cool. But uh, I did see some cool um, Charles Soule uh, news that was emailed to me from his uh, whatever you call that. I, I don't know. I, I get email from him. Uh, some really cool stuff out there, but I, I'm not going to spoil it or give it away. So just, you know, maybe search up Charles Soule if you're interested in his projects and what he's got going on. But I thought what we would do is... We would kind of take it back, do do like a classic, uh, no news, so we're going to talk about the top 20 list over at Key Collector and go over that and kind of break it down and talk about it a little bit. So I figured we could do that tonight. Um, in, in the top spot or the bottom spot, I'm not sure, it doesn't... Uh, so are these, are these the hot comics right now? Yeah, yeah, sure, the top 20 list over there on Key Collector. Uh uh, we've got Ranger Stranger number one, which was uh, <laughs> out from Scout Comics in 2021. I don't know if you remember this. I definitely picked up a copy. I've got a single I, copy. I've never heard of this, but I saw this the other day. Yeah, well, you know me. I mean, I almost pick up every new number one. So uh, so this one's cool. It's it's very interesting. It's I mean, if you read the synopsis, it's very funny. Uh, set in Hadanek National Park, a vast Bob Rossian world of woods for adventurers to enjoy except everything from the wildflowers to the homicidal sorry to the homicidal deer 
to the park official has murderous intent. So a really interesting book, but Kevin Hart's production company has secured the rights for an adult animated series for this book. So yeah, very interesting. And sorry if you're hearing a little bit of the congestion and cold there. I do have a head cold. So so. is it, is it, is it like a, um, is it like a um, more comedic Fargo? (laughs) Well, it kind of sounds like it, I guess. Um, Yeah, it does. I'm not too sure what's going on in the premise there, but it sounds fun. There's going to be a lot, a lot of happy little trees. <laughs> yeah. Happy little bushes. Oh, man. It, nothing better than happy little things. Uh, <laughs> next up, we've got Marvel's, sorry, Marvel Tales number two. Uh, sorry, Annual 2. This is out from Marvel Comics in 1965. This has a reprint of X-Men number one. And uh, they were kind of released as annuals and annual was dropped from the title and it just continued as a bi-monthly book but i guess this is really your i don't know cheapest way without getting like a facsimile or something um to to pick up like an old copy of a reprint of x-men number one kind of saying like the the mid-range sales are at like around 50 and the high sales are close to 200 so so kind of i kind of like the golden record reprint sure sans the record yeah, yeah, no record in there. Uh, there's some cool ones. I think I think it's 130. I can't remember the issue number off the top of my head, but one of them has like a really great uh, first appearance of Punisher. You know, it's like a reprinting of ASM 129. It's got a cool Punisher cover. Um, there's some cool Marvel Tales books out there, so <clears throat> definitely some stuff to get your hands on if you can. Um, next up, we've got Fantastic Four, 353, out from Marvel Comics in 1991. This has the first full appearance of... Uh, Mobius M. Mobius, the chairman of the TVA, identified by name, and the first cover appearance of Mobius in the UPC box, and a one-panel cameo appearance of an unidentified TVA management. So this kind of segues into what you wanted to talk about. Uh, Since we didn't really have much news, you wanted to make that announcement that uh right i just wanted to let everybody i'm sure everybody knows by now but i just wanted to let everybody know that starting tonight at nine o'clock on disney plus the season two premiere of loki comes on with as you just said mobius and mobius played (laughs) by played greatly by owen wilson and the return of and I'm sorry, his name escapes me, <laughs> but the return of Short Round from the Indiana Jones <laughs> movies. Yeah, no, I'm stoked about this. I'm definitely really excited. You know what I started today, Bob, was I heard somebody talking about that Child's Play series that that recently, I don't know, I think right. it's in its third season now, but yeah, it recently the, came out. The premiere, the premiere of the third season started uh, last night oh, okay yeah so so i started on that i started watching the first season started the first episode today is it any good it's okay but i've never been much into child's play i think right. that it's a really stupid concept but it's it's fun you know it's fun nonsense like late 80s early 90s slasher stuff i get it but uh yeah um, i'm definitely gonna put that on hold and pick up here on on loki season two at least that first episode that, that we get uh, next up on the list is also from Marvel in 1991. It's Marvel Comics Presents, issue 72. 
part of that Weapon X story. Very iconic cover. Yeah, super iconic cover, um, which, I mean, I would have trouble, I guess, explaining what's going on in this cover other than uh, you got Logan slash Wolverine kind of in two-tone there. He's, 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 I don't know, got his regular body and then his costumed body on one side, and there's this crazy skull in the background and lots of flames and stuff. I, I don't I I'm, know how to explain this to somebody. I'm, I'm going to say, I, of course I haven't read the comic. You haven't read this, really? No. Wow. But I'm just going to assume that's supposed to be, you know, um, Wolverine getting his adamantium skeleton. Uh-huh. Yep. That, that That's what I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you, you know what's going on in Weapon X. Uh, yeah, and this one, I, I can see why, you know, it's heating up and everything. Of course, we've got... Uh, Lots of Wolverine stuff coming up in, in Deadpool 3, so... And I, ha- I have heard that, I mean, even though we know it's inevitable at this point... Yep. That, to quote Thanos, <laughs> yeah. that the X-Men are going to, you know, appear sooner rather than later in the MCU. I have heard that the initial roster will not include Wolverine. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, and, and very cool because it kind of shows you that they plan on building it out instead of just throwing everybody in there, which I really like a lot. Well, and if that's the if that's the case, then it's going to be like um, X-Men, giant size X-Men, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like. And next up is Fantastic Four, number 48, one of Bob's personal favorite comic books that uh, Bob, how many copies of this thing you got? Like thirty. Well, 40, I mean, if if people <laughs> if people nowadays don't know what Fantastic Four forty eight is, you've been living under a rock. Yeah, this is out from Marvel Comics nineteen sixty six. First appearance of the Silver Surfer, first cameo appearance of Galactus. Uh, inside sources are telling us, whoever us is uh, currently, that the Fantastic Four is heavily a multiverse movie, and Silver Surfer is very much at its center. So, fun fun so. <laughs> fun fact Galactus had a spaceship yeah in this issue <laughs> Galactus was not you know uh, bigger than a planet yep and Galactus wore purple yeah he was like really small in this issue if you he look really at was. if you look up at, at some of the panels he's I don't know like if you took Reed Richards and stacked him on top of himself like three or four times that's how big Galactus is like, yeah I mean, he's like he's like a small celestial, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, not not as uh, not no. as big. So I mean, it begs the question: How the hell is he eating those planets at that size? But you know, little bites, I guess. Mm, yeah, I mean, good <laughs> question. I mean, <laughs> maybe bites. maybe he's sitting in a chair and he's he's got a napkin around yeah, his neck <laughs> with a, a knife and a fork, just just spilling little pieces of the planet down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a that'd be a cool comic cover, actually. Uh, hey, there we go, Bob. That might be our pitch to Marvel. That's how we get in. Yeah. We make a Galactus, a baby Galactus origin story. Come uh, on, Marvel. Yeah, hit us up. Uh, next up, we got Captain America three fifty four. This is out from Marvel Comics nineteen eighty nine's first full appearance and cover of John Walker as U.S. Agent, who appeared briefly in West Coast Avengers issue number forty four. And the reason for this being that U.S. Agent is confirmed for the Thunderbolts movie. 
Okay, if it ever comes out. Sure. It seems like it's been out. in development for yeah. what, a yeah. year is and it, a half Is it development now? hell at this point? Is it quite there? I guess not it's, yet, but it's it, close. It, it, it kind of <laughs> seems like that, especially with the news that, um, you know, that um, Ghost was part of the original team, yeah. and then it came out that she wasn't going to be part of the team. Yep. And again, it just seems like it hasn't, it, it hasn't gone anywhere so far. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm hoping that that one picks up because Bob, I'm not gonna lie to you. I have like a uh, like a good short box, you know, not completely full of Thunderbolts number one, but uh, you know, a good portion <laughs> filled up. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to get rid of some of those. That would be nice or retain <laughs> some value or whatever. Um, the next one is I'm gonna throw you a curveball here, and I know you see it because you're looking with me. But yes. if you remember Saga of the Crystal Crystal Warrior number one. Out from Marvel Comics in 1983. Let me tell you about this book, Bob. Because Please do. Yeah, I've got this run. Um, it's definitely something I collected in the past. Uh, uh, so my favorite band of all time is the Misfits, uh, the horror punk band from you know the. Basically, they were very popular like in the early 80s and all of that. Um, and and they're very iconic. You know, Glenn Danzig's their singer. Glenn Danzig branched off and did like a solo career for a while, uh, for a long while. And the logo that Glenn Danzig used, which was like this horned skeleton, uh, came from the cover of the, not the last issue of this book, but I think the, the penultimate issue. Um, but yeah, that's how I, I first uh, discovered this comic and got into it. Basically, this was a comic book that they kind of tried to, I, I see you wearing a Masters of the Universe shirt. It's kind yes. of in that realm. Like they were trying to do a Masters of the Universe thing create like a toy line and, and build like a story around it type of thing. Obviously it didn't take off because take I off would have well. definitely collected the toys. If yeah. And I think I want to say it was nine issues. Maybe it was 10, maybe it was 11. I don't know, but it was, it was very short. Um, but anyways, this, this issue number one has the first appearance of Christ star, the crystal warrior, the first appearance of the Galax Royal guard, Koth, Warbo, uh, Calabar and Stalax. The first appearance of someone who dies, who I can't say. OGO. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and as a cat beast. And the reason for this is that Crystar has been included in the new wave of Marvel Legend action figures. So what does that mean? Does it mean anything? Very random. Yeah, only time will tell. Like I said, it was a very short-lived book that didn't really tie into anything else. So, I don't know. It could just be a deep dive for them. Or maybe they're planning on doing something with the Booker character. So. Maybe a very... Either way, it is a deep dive. Yeah, a, a very deep dive. And again, for all you Misfits or Danzig fans out there, you know, go, go pick that up. Because that's the first appearance of the Danzig logo. Next up, uh, again, for, for Bob here. We got a big Bob book. This is uh, Star Wars issue number two from Marvel Comics 1977. First appearance of Obi-Wan Kenobi in story. First appearance of Han Solo in story. First appearance of Chewbacca. First appearance of Greedo, a bounty hunter, in case you didn't know who Greedo was. First appearance of the Millennium Falcon and the Death Star. First appearance of a character named Jabba the Hutt, but visually different from the movie due to a change in the character's design. Later, is it, it's explained to have been a different character named Mosep. Yes. So there's no real justification as to why this is on the list this week, uh, other than it just is. I guess it's Star Wars selling. Yeah, sure. 
Um, I guess this is your next best bet if you can't get a hold of that Star Wars number one. You can try to grab a copy of Star Wars number two for like you know the hundred. And I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent certain, but um, you know they were talking about um, Job of the Hut. Yep. You know the design being totally different from you know of course the slug monster we yeah. all know and love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do love them, but. And I, I can't say for certain because I haven't read Star Wars number two. Okay. But I just know in the um, in the original movie, yes, there is a scene where there is a human stand-in. Oh, okay. Who's supposed to be Jabba as opposed to Jabba. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I was hoping sometimes on Key Collector they have this thing where you can click the cover and then it will show you like a little preview page of what they're talking about or whatever. They didn't mm -hmm. have that on this one, so uh, I wanted to see what the character looked like in comic book form versus what we saw in the movie. But I guess I'll have to actually dig out the comic and look it up or look it up digitally to to see what that difference is. Um, next up on the list is a book that just very recently came out: Death of Venom Verse issue number two. Marvel Comics 2023. This one has the first appearance of Kid Venom and the first appearance of Chaos Engine and the first full team appearance of the Symbiote 6. Uh, I remember us talking about this uh, when it was first, when it came out. We talked mm -hmm. about these these new characters here, especially Kid Venom. I remember us especially talking about the Symbiote 6 there and how, mm -hmm. you know, all of them. Uh, the reason for this being that... Uh, we're going to be getting uh, a Kid Venom solo series next year. Right. So, really cool. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Kid Venom, a cool character. Uh, maybe he'll be a rival to Spider-Boy uh, or, or or something, but really cool. You, uh, one would think. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, why not? Just, you know, you know based on Spider-Man and Venom's long history. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, next up, again, uh, Marvel kind of dominating this list as they typically do but uh, we have rom number one from marvel comics 1979 this has the first appearance and origin of rom the first appearance of the prime director the first team appearance of the dire wraths and the space knights i don't know why rom number one would be on this list there's no reason for it other than people are just picking it up um, didn't we, we very recently got a facsimile uh, reprint of Rom, right. and I think one of those foil reprints or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, so Rom's out there in the comic book zeitgeist, zeitgeist uh, currently, but yeah, that's, that's Rom. Now a book, uh, character, whatever, that's really in the zeitgeist right now, really, really big. Um, and of course, you know, we, we love, uh, we're, you know, me and Bob are definitely Swifties here on this <laughs> podcast, so... <clears throat> Dazzler number one from Marvel Comics 1981 the premiere issue of the Dazzler self-titled series a big increase in copies sold this week uh, Taylor Swift was seen at a Chiefs game with Deadpool 3 stars Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds along with their director Shane Levy sorry Sean Levy uh, so I mean there's been Bob, I can't even remember when the speculation started that oh, Dazzler it, was going to be included in X Men and Taylor Swift was going to play it Dazzler. Was, it it it's, was it's uh, been so long. It was one of the first class movies. Yes, I exactly. think it might have been. Um, was that Days of Future Past? It might have been. Yeah, I think um, it was Days of Future Past. But it's something that's always been talked about, and we've actually right. talked about it here on the podcast before. Uh, it's something. 
look, I'm, I know I said this. I think you agreed with me. I, I see that as a huge win. I, I think Marvel or whoever you know is behind this like needs to figure out a way to make it happen. It would such great fan service. It would be really cool. And think about all of those you know Swifties out there who yeah, would, would want to go see an X Men movie. They, yeah, I was I was gonna I was about to say think of how many more people would come to see your movie. Yeah, you might even get Martin Scorsese out there because I hear that he really likes Taylor Swift as well. I mean, so. Taylor Swift has got a huge, <laughs> and I mean huge, built-in fan base. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, just really cool. And look, I don't follow sports. We all know I know nothing about sports, but I'm seeing so many sports-related and Taylor Swift things now because of this. Like, it just seems to be doing a lot for for you know different avenues. So because her and Travis Kelsey might be, are they? Are they not? Whoever the hell that is. Yes. <laughs> uh, next up from Marvel Comics 1987, we have Uncanny X-Men 214. A really, really badass cover if you're following along and looking with us here. Uh, just really, really an interesting cover. Uh, I like that cover a lot. Uh, this, this has Dazzler joining the X-Men. Um, it's still super affordable. Looks like it's like, you know, right at the $10 range. Yeah. Um, probably not anymore now that this list has come out. I'm sure people are selling it for, you know, 25 to 50 now. But, uh, you know, if you've got a copy, if you can get your hands on one, whatever. But, uh, yeah, Dazzler joining the X-Men there. Next up, uh, an image book. So we finally get to switch over to something else for a minute. Wow. We've got image from 2020 here, Department of Truth. Um, this is a big book. I have a million copies of this book, Bob. I have the, you know, I've got some slabbed up on the walls in 9A. Uh, this is a very, very interesting book. It's still very, very affordable. So I would highly suggest if you've not already picked up a copy of this, even at the current price, just go ahead. You, you need one, at least one in your collection there. Uh, the solicit reads after a man discovers that every conspiracy theory that he ever studied was true. He sets out to infiltrate the organization that has been keeping them all covered up, uh, the Department of Truth. Yeah, and and I'm uh, I mean I I I haven't read this really, but I may have to read this just for the simple fact that one of my favorite TV series of all time is X Files. Yeah. Uh huh. And just from that solicit. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big X Files. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. I get I could definitely see Fox Mulder just being all over <laughs> this. Well, and I want to talk about, you know, uh, you know, the creative team on this is Martin Simmons uh, is the artist. And of course, the writer is James Tinian. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's you can't really lose there. That's no that's big stuff. Uh, a high dollar bidding bidding war has ended for the ultra relevant conspiracy theory series that is attracting a level talent for this movie. Reads Key Collector. Um, that was from uh November of 2020 and February of 2021, Hollywood Reporter that, uh, sorry, Hollywood Reporter confirms that uh, the Department of Truth has been optioned and secured by Elizabeth Murdoch in a competitive bidding war. And again, we're, we're uh, you know, that was a long time ago, obviously, but you know, things have been put on hold. Things have been put on the back burner. There was a writer strike. The writer strike is right. now over. So, so who knows what could be happening? But uh, an update from James Tinian um, says that production has resumed on the live action project. Also, so this is not in development hell. This is actually going somewhere. Uh, and and again, 
everyone should have a copy of this book. Everyone should read this book. It's very, very interesting. Very, very cool. And like Bob said, if you're into X-Files and stuff like that, conspiracy theories, whatever, really cool book. You, you, might, have say, you might have said, but how many issues was it? Ah, uh, God, I don't remember. Um, I feel like it But you can up pick up the head. trade. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, there's, there's a few trades. Yeah. Um, I want to say it went into like 20-something, but I, I can't recall. Uh, next up, from DC Comics. We finally got a DC book here on this list. Uh, yes, and one of your, your personal favorite characters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bob, actually, you know, side note, and I'll, I'll say the name of the character first before I say it, but mm-hmm. uh, this is from 1975. This is DC's The Joker number one. Um, <clears throat> let me say this, and let me be very, uh, I, I don't know the word, um, careful when I say this I'm sorry I think I finally figured out the reason I don't like the Joker he's just oh, an, do tell. yeah he's just an edgelord like if, if like it's for people that are really really into like that that troll you know like meme thing like it's it's just who is this for like I, I'm sorry a lot of people like the Joker I don't mean to alienate like our audience right, or anything or right. make, make people dislike me but um I'm, I'm just so bored with them like Batman has such cool villains, and why are we so focused on the Joker all the time? Well, see, and it just my theory is, you know, you you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, personally, I like the character, the yeah. Joker. Uh-huh. That, that That's just me personally. But I know where you're coming from, especially with the fact that you just said... Batman has so many other interesting villains. Yeah. And it always seems like, whether it's comics or movies, it always falls on the Joker. Yeah, and, and trust me, I get it. Uh, you know, DC Comics, uh, all, every, uh, you know, all the media they work with, Warner Brothers, whatever, you're going to put out what sells. I mean, you got to sell movie tickets, you have to sell comic books, mm-hmm. you got to sell merchants. I get that. Mm-hmm. Like, I completely agree that's what you should do. But... From the very beginning, you know, it seems like they have pushed the Joker on everybody. Like, and that's why he's where he is. Like, it's not that compelling of a character. Like, he's not that interesting. Uh, His motivation, lack thereof, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, And I just don't see the hype at all. It's just not an interesting character to me. It's a clown who thinks it's funny to do whatever. I, I don't know. Anyways. I'll get off my soapbox, but this one is on the list because a new set photo released this week of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker in the sequel for the Joker musical Lady Gaga movie that's coming out. I'll be quiet there and move on <laughs> to the next book on our list, Spawn Number 1 from Image Comics 1992. Bob! Come on, Spawn number one. What can you say? Uh, You can't have the 1990s (laughs) and not talk about Spawn. Yes, Spawn, a huge book, a huge part of our childhood. Uh, Really, really cool. This one's got the first appearance of Spawn, the first appearance of Sam and and Twitch, the first appearance of, uh, wow, I've never tried to say that. Malboja. Out loud. Okay, Malboja. Um, First cameo appearance of Jason uh, Wynn and a pinup of The Pit. If you guys remember the pit, this has a cool pinup of that character. So, you know, you you just talked about this, and I, I, I and you know, I'm looking at um, the comic on Key Collector. Do you remember the Spawn series on HBO? Oh yeah, oh, back in yeah. the '90s. Yeah. I actually uh, 
bought a at some point I bought a VHS copy of of that. Wow, he's definitely dating himself. Yeah, uh, I, I I just recently got rid of all. Did my you VHS. buy Did you buy Betamax too? <laughs> I wish. I mean, if I had the option, I would have. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I love that, and actually, I, I do think it's on uh, Max now. I think it's streaming. I think you can still. Is watch it really? It. I believe so. I'm wow. pretty sure. I'd like to go back and oh, see yeah. how it's aged. Yeah, it. I, I mean, I remember watching it. You know, uh, a long time ago at this point, uh, rewatching it. You know, in the early two thousands, and it was. I, I liked it a lot, but. Uh, this one is on the list after uh, producer Jason Blum disclosed in an interview that the Spawn movie is on track to premiere in 2025. So we've heard a lot about Spawn, a lot about the movie, a lot about Todd McFarlane and Jamie Foxx and everything mm-hmm. else. And again, we keep thinking, all right, it's actually not going to happen. It's never going to happen. But yeah. Jason Blum is assuring us that it is on track and it will happen. Well, I mean, between, uh, between him and... Uh he has Todd McFarlane's financial backing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And It'll get made. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It, it probably will. Uh, next up, back to Marvel Comics, 1980, Amazing Spider-Man 210. This one has the first appearance of Madam Web, the uh, Dakota Johnson uh, movie that's supposed to be coming out at some point in time. Right. Bob, I don't know. This is the weird oddball that I'm still just so excited about. I Look, I liked that Craven trailer enough. I thought that it could be cool. I don't think it's going to blow me away. There's not anything in there that's that interesting. The Venom no. stuff, I like I, I like the Venom movies. They're fun. Um, I'm excited about this one. I think that the cast that they put together and the story that they plan on telling and everything, I'm just really intrigued by it, and I really hope that this does well. I mean, it also doesn't hurt that I bought that very, very pristine copy of this book just a little while back, but uh, we'll save that for... So what do you think discussion. the odds are that uh, Tom Holland shows up? I Pretty good, pretty good, I'm going to say. I would think so also. Yeah, uh, at, at least pretty good. <laughs> uh, next up, from Dark Horse Comics in 1995, the year Bob was born, everybody, 1995. <laughs> uh, you're about 13 years too late That's on right. that. We've got Star Wars Heir to the Empire, issue number one. Yes. With this great, great uh, cover here. I really like the cover on this one. This one has the first appearance of Admiral Thrawn, the first appearance of Mara Jade, the wife of Luke Skywalker, first appearance of... Jorah Seaboth. Thank you so much for that. A clone of Palpatine. And the first appearance of... Gilead Pelion. The c- commander who's under the <laughs> uh, man, if, if you, if, <laughs> I know you can't see it, but uh, when Dan was getting to those names, he just pointed to me like Vanna White. You know, that's the best part. I, I will say this. I'm very grateful, very, very grateful, uh, completely uh, understatement, that I, that I have you as a co-host here. Uh, <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to some people that do solo podcasts. I prefer, uh, you know, groups of people or whatever. But uh, I could not do this by myself. <laughs> There's absolutely no way that I could even come close to doing this by myself. So I'm eternally grateful that you are here with me, and I'm eternally grateful that you can actually pronounce words. So uh, yeah. something that I can't do. Well, the, um, definitely when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I made out there. Uh, next up, we've got Star Wars The High Republic, Shadow 
of Starlight number one. This one just came out. It did. But this one's on the list for its 1 in 25 incentive cover. This is from Marvel Comics 2023. This has the 1 in 25 incentive from David uh, Marquez. I'll go with. Who knows if I said that right? Uh, yeah, essentially, you know, just a, an incentive cover there on the list. Uh, next up, another incentive, and for the very book that we're covering on the podcast today, Transformers number one, the spoiler variant in foil edition, and one in 100 on the list there. And then rounding off the list, that's right, they had to get one more DC book in there because why the hell not? And it's, an, it's another incentive cover. Yeah, it sure is. A one in 50 by Otto Schmidt. This is Birds of Prey number two, but hey, I'll give it to him. It's Birds of Prey. Fantastic. I loved issue number two, just yeah. like number one. Man, Kelly Kelly Thompson, again. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. If, if anybody doubts Kelly Thompson, like for one, you're an idiot, but go out there and pick up just one of her books and then you'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, really, really cool stuff. Just Kelly pick Thompson. up just pick yeah. up Black Cloak, pick up Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Um, pick up the coal. <laughs> yeah, pick up the coal. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm telling you, Bob, it's so hard. I keep I keep thinking to myself every day, I don't know what we're going to do at the end of the year because it's it's going to be so hard. But, uh, luckily, we didn't cover the coal number one on here. We just did it as a bonus episode, so it's not in the running. So uh, Because I'm scared that that would be the winner uh, because it's so good. But yeah, that's, that's a story for another day. A- anyways, uh, that's all the news or lack thereof we got for you. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to... Be right back to talk about some new books that dropped this week in comic book shops. And we are back with episode number 39 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Bob, let's hit them with some new books that are out in comic book shops this week. That's right. You still got some time. Maybe, hopefully, we're recording this on a Thursday night, so who knows? Uh, if your local shop's got some, but there's only one way to find out, and the only way you're going to know what books to go look for is if Bob and I tell you what books are out there. So, uh, first up from DC Comics, we've got Detective Comics 140 facsimile reprint. That's right, it's not the uh, original Detective Comics 140 because that would be more than a $4.99 cover price. <laughs> but this has a reprinting of the Riddler's first appearance. Again, Rogue's Gallery. Riddler, great, great Batman villain. Yeah. Love the Riddler. Yeah. Uh, and we also got from Image Comics the Walking Dead Deluxe. It's 20 for, sorry, 20th anniversary reprinting of The Walking Dead number one in newsprint as we discussed last God, week. 20th anniversary. 20, 20 years of The Walking Dead. Uh, that's, that's scary. Uh, from Boom Studios, we got Abbott 1979 number one. I have heard such good stuff about this. Uh, and, and this is... Like basically, there's three series of of Abbott, um, Abbott. I don't know how you say that, but uh, this is the final series of the trilogy, and and people are saying it's really really good, and you can pick it up without having read the previous two. Uh, I picked it up. I'm I'm excited to read that one. I've heard some really really good stuff about it, so excited about that. From Dynamite Comics, we got Alice Cooper number one. Uh, <laughs> Alice Cooper versus Demonic Forces. Um, I don't know. Alice Cooper has been in Marvel comics before. I know that. I have right. like that Alice Cooper number one from, from the 70s that, that uh, Marvel put out. Bob, our shop didn't get this book. I think that I heard they were damaged or a, a week behind. But the devil, <laughs> the devil That Wears My Face yeah. number one from mm-hmm. Mad Cave. 
Uh, I actually have the uh, ash can of this. So again, I've heard really good stuff about this. This book is in night or sorry, in 1740, an exorcism gone wrong traps an exorcist in the body of a stranger while a demon called Legion takes over a priest's identity. So interesting, interesting book there. Next up from Dark Horse Comics, we got Midnight Show number one from uh, one of our favorite creators, Colin Bunn. This is 50 years ago, a freak accident on the set shut down. Production of a film when the footage is shown at a festival in present day. Classic horror monsters manifest to wreak havoc on a town. Such a cool sounding book. And Ow. I know you see it right here on the desk with me. I've got a copy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because it's uh, me and uh, Nick are doing the bonus episode on it this week. So I'm excited to read that one. Uh, Really, really excited to check it out. Colin Bunn, oh, I mean... Colin Bunn's really been liking his horror lately, hasn't he? Yeah, and he, I mean, it, it kind of sucks because, you know, we're talking about uh, Kelly Thompson, how how she swings and doesn't really miss his... Colin Bunn's really the same way. There's not really too much I can think of where I'm like, eh, this really didn't do it for me or whatever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Colin Bunn's a very good creator. Yeah. yeah really good stuff. Um, we got from IDW, Star Trek Halloween number one. I don't. But yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what to say there. Of course, we have uh, Transformers number one. Uh, we'll and talk it's, about it's 4,000 variant covers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Boom Studios put out Ranger Academy number one, an ongoing series, introducing the Ranger Academy, preceded by a free comic book day preview. Of course, uh, they're in the Power Rangers universe, new new uh, book and academy for potential Rangers to attend. We also got Vampirella Dead Flowers, number one from Dynamite Comics. This one is written by the granddaughter of Frank Frazetta. Oh. Sarah Frazetta. So, interesting. Uh, could be really cool. From Marvel Comics, we got Alien Annual, number one. It's got a standalone story in there. Uh, of course, we talked about Birds of Prey, number two from DC Comics. Really, really cool there. Uh, we also got a one-shot from DC. DC's ghouls just want to have fun. Uh, very uh, fun, you know, little uh, thing they do for, for each holiday and mm -hmm. things like that. We got Justice Society of America, Golden Edition, number one, a reprint of issue one through three of the Justice Society of America. Uh, we also got... Um, the new Golden Age Special Edition number one, reprinting of the Golden Age number one. We've got Black Panther issue number five from Marvel Comics with the first appearance of an evil spirit. Uh, no, I'm not going to try to say that. <laughs> no. uh, we also got the Ghost Rider Annual number one, where Ghost Rider teams up with Elsa Bloodstone to battle the hood. And Bob, a big book this week, we got Gods, G period, O period, D period, S period from Jonathan Hickman. This is the first appearance of Cubus Core, a being of pure corruption, and the first appearance of the Centaur of the Centa. Whatever. I'm, I, I'm, I give up trying. But uh, God's a big book, a big, like, kind of event type of thing going on at Marvel right now. A mm -hmm. uh, big cover price there, $9.99 cover price on that book. Ooh. So, yeah. Uh, but I do hear that issue number two is going to be the one to pick up, uh, just in case you're speculating on anything. Issue number two has got the first appearance of a new character, I believe, is named Magic Girl. Something like that. Um, 
definitely going to want to pick that one up. Well, it's a little on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, we got a uh, reprinting, or sorry, a second print of Immortal Thor, number one, really cool book. And uh, we got Star Wars High Republic Shadows of Starlight, number one, four-issue limited series that bridges the gap between phase one and phase three of the High Republic. First appearance of like four characters that I'd never even dream of trying to say the names of, but they're there, trust me. And rounding us off from Marvel Comics, Strange Academy, The Amazing Spider-Man number one, the conclusion of a three-part series of one-shots. I'm sure you picked this up. I picked up all of my copies and my 1 in 25 incentive. Of course, you know I did. <laughs> Those are the new books that dropped this week. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back to talk about Transformers number one. <laughs> Did you know there was a Doctor Strange movie in 1978? Or that Tim Burton and Nicolas Cage almost made a Superman movie in the mid-90s? On Superhero Cinephiles, we take you on a journey into the world of superhero films, including the acclaimed, the infamous, and the obscure. And you might just be surprised at some of our takes, because here, we want to talk about the things we love, not the things we hate. Listen to Superhero Cinephiles on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on the web at SuperheroCinephiles.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at SuperCinemaPod. And we are back with episode number 39 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Bob, it is time to talk Transformers. I, uh, you know, you're the Transformers guy. I I dip a little bit, but my God, it's uh, my knowledge of Transformers is... is so I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> because this is a Transformers episode, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to do this. Please do it. You got the touch. <laughs> you got the power. Yeah. I mean, this is Transformers at its best. I almost want to sing along. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah. Oh, pure, pure 80s nostalgia. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, Nothing better than that. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, Bob, let's <laughs> let's talk about this book for a sec. Um, we're going to talk about the creators, but first let's talk about from Skybound Images uh, solicit of the book, which is kind of long. Um, Superstar, or, or sorry, the new Transformers era starts here. Superstar creator Daniel Warren Johnson alongside... Aragon Universe showrunner Robert Kirkman reimagines Hasbro's has has uh, Hasbro's <laughs> robots in disguise for a brand new generation. Optimus Prime was supposed to have led the Autobots to victory. Instead, the fate of Cybertron is unknown, and his allies have crash landed far from home alongside their enemies, the Decepticons. As this, sorry, as these. T- as these titanic forces renew their 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 war on Earth, one thing is immediately clear. The planet will never be the same. New alliances are struck, battle lines are redrawn, and humanity's only hope of survival is Optimus Prime. Discover the Transformers like you've never seen them. So that is our solicit, uh, very crudely read by me. Uh, let's talk about... Bob, I'm going to do this because, of course, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer are credited on the cover of this book. Right. 
Uh, Mike Spicer does a lot of work in this book. There's a lot of coloring going on. The color really makes the book so. Uh, but but let's be real here. Daniel Warren Johnson wrote and illustrated this whole book by himself. I so. don't want to. I don't want to say he did the legwork because that would be taken away from Mike Spicer. Yeah, yeah. Because he. I mean, they're both in it here. But I mean, just imagine scripting this thing and illustrating the entire thing as well. This is really a labor of love from Daniel Warren Johnson. It's got to be. So Daniel Warren Johnson. Of course, a super, super star creator, uh, definitely, you know, kind of does does this. He, he writes and, and draws his books uh, on a lot of them. He did Extremity from Skybound, which I don't know if you remember Extremity. I love that book. It's so violent, so crazy, uh, so much fun. He also did that one with Mike Spicer. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson also did Myrtle, sorry, Murder Falcon for uh, Skybound. Another really, really fabulous book with the same creative team as this one, the same letterer, the same colorist, all of that. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson has done Do a Powerbomb for Image Comics, one of the best comics of last year. One Wait, of, say that title again. Do a, do a Powerbomb. The story of professional wrestling, folks. Bob, did you not read Do a Powerbomb? I did not. Are you being I've serious? I've never right even now? heard of it. Are you you're you're kidding me, right? I know. I I am not kidding you. Okay, well, let me just lead with this same exact creative team again. Uh, okay, we've got the same Spicer and Johnson. Yep, and and also uh, Russ Wooten who who did the lettering. Um, Bob, this is one of the best comic book stories you will ever read. It's only a, it's it's a seven issue mini, so or whatever you call seven issues. Uh, you can pick up this trade and read it in absolutely one night before you go to bed. Uh, it is so good. So good. Wow, I can't believe you haven't read it. And that. it's called Do a Powerbomb. Do a Powerbomb, yes. Okay. Wow. I'm not going to give anything else out. I'm not going to do any spoilers. Okay. Just read the book, Bob. Okay, I trust I your judgment. I, I can't believe... I'm, when it I'm, comes to comics, I definitely trust <laughs> your judgment. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm, yes, I, I can't wait for you to read that. Uh, uh also did Beta Ray Bill. You remember that Beta Ray Bill series that came out? Mm -hmm. uh, what What was that, Bob? Was that 2020? Oh, 2021, boy. yeah. Uh, was it 2020? Wow. Yeah, 2021. I thought it was 20... I thought it might have been 2019 or 2020 myself. Yeah, uh, really, really good book. But uh, also did uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Um, did uh, Jurassic League, one of my favorite DC little minis there. Uh, did a Cable miniseries. Worked on Thor, Superman, uh, Red and Blue, uh, Deadly Class. The list goes on and on and on. I, look, I could go, I mean, all day. You're just, look, we just keep, I mean, I, I'm showing you. Yeah, he, he's definitely one of those creators yeah, we where just you keep can't going name like, his entirety of work. No, it's, uh, I mean. Or else we'd be here forever. He, he did a book called Space Mullet, for God's sake. So, I mean, the guy's done everything. Uh so, really, really cool. Why you would need a mullet in space? Who knows? I mean, I guess that's probably the best place to have a mullet. No one <laughs> can see it. But, uh, yeah. Um, and, 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 again, Mike Spicer always kind of working with, uh, with Daniel Warren Johnson there. But also branched off on his own thing. Done stuff for Swamp Thing, Stillwater, mm -hmm. uh, Horizon Action Comics, and so on. Um, so, so, I feel like that's a, a good enough introduction to those creators there. Bob, this is normally the point where I read my synopsis, but I I tried so hard to write a synopsis for this book. I <laughs> if I tell you that 
that it was an impossible feat, and and I mean impossible, it was not possible for me to write. Like if if you could just see where I left off, you would just laugh. But um, maybe maybe for this one, you actually should have asked. Bob, would you write a synopsis for this book <laughs> that, since you understand it better than I do? That, that would have been a very smart idea. Um, I, I always feel bad tasking you with extra things. But yeah, I should have done that. That, that would have been a good call. It, it would have made sense, actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let, let's, let's, let me say this. <laughs> the next time we do a Star Wars book... Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Please let <laughs> me write the synopsis because... I'm not saying you will be confused, but I know more about the subject than you do. Well, I would definitely be confused, but that's a nice way to put it. But, um, but yeah, let's look. Let's just break this thing down, okay? Where we need no synopsis here. Um, it's Transformers, or whatever. Uh, basically, you know, we get a, an origin type of story. Not an origin story. Sorry. Uh, we get. Uh, we meet our humans. Um, it's. Uh, uh, Spike is, is the name of our main character, um, uh, main human character. And then we meet his dad, who's like, uh, like an alcoholic hanging out at a bar. Uh, that kind of happens in the first few pages there. And then we meet Carly, who I'm assuming is Spike's girlfriend. I don't know if that's ever explicitly said that they're dating, but I believe that that's what's going on there. Uh, she's got a really, really cool like painted van, so that's awesome. Um, and, and, and then the couple goes out stargazing and then they fall into the earth and behold, there are all of our Transformers laying dormant. And I mean, really from there, we can just kind of get into the book because this is where I got lost in my synopsis. I couldn't really write anything beyond that. So, yeah, I mean, basically this is just, you know, and it, of course it's been done many times before. This is just another retelling with creative licensing should I, creative license should i say yep. of the you know origin of you know the transformers without going into the whole you know yeah. they they're war they're warring factions from the planet cybertron and they you know uh the autobot ship crashes into a volcano like it's dormant for millions of years and then an eruption you know, basically wakes the ship up. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's, yeah, that, that's what's going on here, like you said, just told in like kind of a different way. Right, right, right. right. But, you know, we, we get our characters, we get uh, shit, you know, if, if, if I could even uh, Starscream, uh, Optimus Prime, Jetfire, all, 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 these, all these cool guys. Well, oh, Skyfire to yeah. some people, Jetfire to some people. Oh, okay, okay. Originally, he was called Skyfire. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Or at least, yeah, or at least in the toys, because he was actually, he was actually a part of the Macross line mm -hmm. that was brought over to the uh, Diclone or Transformers line of toys. Oh, okay. Well, hey, some good, some good uh, history there. <laughs> a nice history lesson that that I definitely need. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I. Okay, let's get into the, you know, nuts and bolts of this book. Let's talk about the story. Let's talk about the story beats then. Mm -hmm. The story beats of this book, Bob. Uh, how do they work for you? I'm gonna I'm gonna lean heavily on you for this because again, uh, 
being, I, I think the reason that I get a little lost in this is not knowing enough about the individual right, Transformers right. themselves, mm-hmm. not knowing what side they're on, not knowing what their names are. It's definitely understandable. Yeah. Uh, I Don't get me wrong. I, I'll come out the gate. I enjoyed this book. I, I, I definitely like it a lot. I love the art. Um, I think it's a cool story, but I am a little lost in some of it. So, I again, I'll let you lead here. What do you think about the beats? I don't I you know the story beats work for me. Mm-hmm. I mean it's like I said, it's that retelling of the Transformers origin, yep. but you know, it mixes in the, you know, relationship between um Spike and his dad. Yep. You know, and then, you know, his relationship with Carly, which, you know, like you said, was never has never explicitly been said yeah. as far as I know, oh they're dating, but uh-huh. it's one of those it's implied. Yep. You know, and then it goes in get yeah. I'm sorry. Goes into the whole, you know, the ship wakes up, they're reformatted, and then it you know, shows them that they've been warring factions and you know, they're trying to get uh energy sources in the form of Energon. Yep. So I th- I think the beats work. Yeah, um and, and just to throw in, you know, my two cents again, like being confused, I, I don't wanna I don't want to step on the fact that, you know, the confusion is just my ignorance on, on you know, uh, being ignorant of, of Transformers lore, knowing mm-hmm. the characters well enough and knowing their names and all of that. But uh, the beats did work for me. I like the way that the story, you know, went from point A to point B. Uh, I like the, um, uh, the, the way that, I mean, there's so much of, of them kind of like fighting or whatever in this book. Like it really... It takes up a good portion of the book, but it works very it well. Usually that stuff can get a little convoluted, and I don't love it. But yeah, this worked really well. Um, so so how about the narrative then? The narrative of this book, uh, how did you feel that that worked? The, the narrative, I mean, for most people, you know, it would, you know, they need a lot of narrative. Yeah. But for somebody like me, it's kind of like, don't need much narrative. Yep. Know the backstory. You know, I mean, the narrative works just fine for me. And I think that in contrast to something like the original run of Marvel Comics Transformers books, that had a lot of of narrative going on. Had a lot of dialogue, had a lot of, you know, it was explaining a lot. This kind of takes the liberty of like, hey, you're reading a Transformers book. Like, you know enough about Transformers to know what's going on here. We kind of just drop you in. And, and you know these characters well enough to know what's going on. Again, works very, very well for somebody like you who already knows what's going on. Probably a little different for somebody like me, but if, if I knew the source material a little better, then it would have been a little bit easier for me to digest. But but yeah, as far as like this just standing alone on its own, I feel like the narrative works very well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the dialogue. Dialogue's going to be, you know different in a Transformers book. You've got uh, Transformers talking. You've got Transformers interacting with humans. You have humans talking uh, and, and all of that. I really like the dialogue in this book. I think that that was kind of like, it worked really well. It was written really well. I feel like uh, Daniel Warren Johnson kind of captured those voices. And I don't remember the letterer's name. Also, I think it was Russ something. But, uh, but I, I do like the way that he... Uh, 
you know, wrote the lettering for the Transformers versus the humans and everything. I like the way that that was written. The different word bubbles. Yeah, exactly. The different font. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought it was cool. I thought it offered, like, a cool, like, artistic perspective to this that, that was needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the dialogue a lot. I thought it worked really well. And I, I got to say, when I was reading everybody's dialogue, yep. I was reading it in the original cartoon cast <laughs> member voices, voices. Yeah, Frank yeah, yeah. Welker, Peter Cullen, all of them. Yeah. Just, uh, just awesome. Yeah. I thought, I thought that the tone was really nailed for, for that dialogue. Um, and, and then the world building and, and this is man, the world building. Yes. This really fleshes out this world very, very well. I love the way that all of this is the way that it looks. Um, of course we're talking about the story, so we have to talk about the way it looks, but, uh, yeah, this world is very, very fleshed out, very lived in, uh, mm-hmm. works really, really well. I, I love the world building here. I don't know if there's anything you know you want to add to that. Not, not really, because again, I mean, and I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can <laughs> yeah. in this review. Yeah, sure. Well, it's, but, it's, it's I mean, hard. It's like throwing a Star Wars book at you. Right. These are your two things, I mean, so. ju- just, uh, just the fact that, you know, I was born in the 80, early yeah. 80s. I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. I grew up on these toys. Sure. I know the locations. I know the backstory. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you were here. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it feels very lived in. feels feels very very good now uh whenever we talk about art again we get to talk about daniel warren johnson again um he is illustrating this book uh let's let's go into the characters dude this is this is my favorite part of this book even if you don't even if you can't read even if you don't want to look at dialogue word balloons whatever if you just want to crack this thing open and look at it it's like any other daniel warren johnson book It, it works so well it's so wonderful to look at it's mm-hmm. like a pleasure to look at it's like it's so nice uh i love this art this is i'm i'm not gonna lie to you here this is like top tier art to me i love everything about this the character designs are so fantastic uh they work so well and you talked about being biased well i'm gonna be a little biased now because do a power bomb uh beta ray bill uh, that art is so stand out to me it's so wonderful and he just doesn't uh cut any corners or make any exceptions to anything like his whole vision is seen here in each panel um i just love the way that he designs these characters i love the way that he designs the transformers they're amazing uh it looks so well it's such a stylized take on the transformers and before we started recording you you had mentioned that it was like, you know, you're used to that uh, kind of draw the characters with a ruler, make sure there's a straight line on everything, and this is a little grittier than what you're used to and all of that. Uh, the second I saw that Daniel Warren Johnson was doing this book, I was like, that's very interesting. We're going to have Daniel Warren Johnson, who is the grittiest, uh, you know, down to the detail. It shows like specks of dirt, specks of dust flying around. He, he shows imperfections and things well, see, on and, Transformers. And, yeah, and, you know, I... I think this art style actually works. I mean, my whole thing was the the um, Transformers comics I had, you know, known about. I never, I never really read um, many of the actual comics. Yeah. You know themselves, but the little bit of the comics I've seen, you know, of course, you know, like you said, you know, more of those straight right angles, yep. you know, with the ruler and kind of stuff. And just my whole thing was, this was a little 
you know, rougher than I was, than, you know, I thought. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more and more I thought about it and the more and more I look at it now, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I mean, I know Daniel Warren Johnson's got his own art style, but I'm, I'm kind of like, this is more the image style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it fits that style, fits the time frame. But mm-hmm. but my God, I, I absolutely love the everything about this art. This is this is top tier. To yeah, me. I get, I got no problem with it because he d- he does so much justice for the characters. Exactly, and I mean, yeah, it, it's an interpretation, of course. Um, he but but he's not taking you know what was there before. He's not taking that uh that animated series. He's not taking the. No. Uh, Marvel series that was before definitely not the Devil's Doer IDW I mean this is his own slant on it and and Daniel Warren Johnson I mean if he's not for for everybody I guess uh, then you know he's going to do his thing here this is what Daniel Warren Johnson does and it's very very gritty uh, very very detailed I love it I absolutely love it um, uh, the backgrounds I'm going to just it, it's going to be hard for me to get through the art on this because again I'm going to say a lot of the same thing over and over again I love it this is top tier the backgrounds on this are top tier this is exactly what I want to see there's so much action and so much going on juxtaposed with uh, the ground and the foreground and the background and everything uh, and, and it's so detailed you could zoom in endlessly to these panels over and over again and find something new on each and every one because it's so jam-packed with detail and it's just really wonderful. I love it. I, I, uh, again, I don't know if there's anything you know, you'd like to point out. Uh, you've got it open to a panel here right in the, the center of the book uh, and there's just so much automatopoeia going on that looks outstanding. Like it, it just, it, it, it goes against the art. Uh, and, and the coloring and, and everything. It just, God, it looks wonderful. I just, I can't say enough good things about it. It looks so cool. How about the locations, Bob? Help me with the locations because I'm not as familiar, of course. Um, uh, how, how do you feel those were those were illustrated and colored and everything here? I, I you know, I, I love how the locations were done. I mean, yeah. you know, I was talking about how, um, and it's actually in the beginning of the book, um, how they jump right into the fact that their ship is the sh- their ship, the Ark, yeah, is lodged into the side of an, well, inactive for millions of years until it became active and woke everything up, woke the uh, computer teletrain one up. Yeah, and this is this was in the preview pages. So if you if you looked at previews before this book came out, you probably saw this. But yeah, like Bob said, the. The ship is like you know in the side of a mountain, basically. If if you're if you're looking, I'm assuming that's the part of the ship where, uh, like the fire shoots out or whatever whatever you call that. Is is that what that is? Yeah, I don't, the I don't engines. Know what, the engine, sure. Yeah, that's a word. The <laughs> engines. Uh, yeah, but uh, if if you're not looking at it, it's, it's these big like you know open holes. Like it looks like, uh, I don't know, uh, these big like open holes on, on the side of the mountain there. And God, it just it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Again, if you have this digitally and you just zoom in, you just see so much detail, so much detail in the in the tones and the, in everything. Mm. They're just fantastic. Um, right, and then the very next you know page, we get an interior shot of the Ark with all the Autobots and Decepticons just lying in pieces. Yep. And you can actually see you know the computer screens and the front screen. You know, in the background, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just 
very, very detailed. And then, an, uh, I mean, another shot of the yard I like. Um, it's closer to the back of the book. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, just all the detail of the abandoned quarry that oh, they yeah. hide out in. Yeah, and I mean, just look, Bob, I don't know what you call those things off to the side there. Those little uh, things built built into the built into the quarry there but uh, I can't think of the name yeah I, I mean just look at the level of detail there like uh, again this is not very interesting for you guys listening but um, the the level of detail is just insane so so how about last up we talk about the colors uh, before we wrap up this book the colorist again Mike Spicer um, uh, uh, you're gonna get the same thing out of me if, if you like um, anything that this creative team has done before you're gonna like this um, it looks yeah, color, colors are top notch. Yeah, it's it works so well together. And obviously, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer know each other like the back of each other's hands. They know exactly what to do and how to get that point across and make it look wonderful. And they have done that here. So <laughs> what else can really be said about it? Uh, so, you know, that will bring us to our, our most important question. Yeah, God, you have it open to the van panel when we're first introduced to Carly's van and it... it the painting on the side just just look at the colors of that <laughs> look at and that i mean just uh, just the detail of the v of w bar yeah exactly yeah just in insane insane stuff um so yeah most important question uh, of the podcast uh this is issue number one uh, is this enough to bring you back to issue number two i think everybody knew my answer before <laughs> yeah. uh this podcast started yeah, I mean, I think the only question for you was, oh, is it still a Transformers book? Okay, I'm in. Oh. But this, this, uh, this issue, this issue. I mean, it did, it didn't rewrite the wheel. Yeah, which sure. You didn't need it to. No. But you know, it did just an, it did what an issue one should do. Yep. Yeah, uh, I uh, again, this is going to sound really weird coming from me because, like I said, I was very confused for for some of it. Uh, I love this. I can't wait for issue number two to come out. I think that, you know, rereading this a little bit more, being a little bit more familiar with the characters and then going on to issue number two um, is, is going to help uh, prove that point to myself even more. But if if nothing else, uh, just looking at this art, you know, I, I just want to look at this art all day. It's just like do a power bomb. I, I don't, I, the content is so good, but I could just stare at it all day too. So um, so yes, win-win, absolutely go out and pick up this book right and now. Be, before we finish it up, yes. I just have to talk about that final panel yes, where Starscream please. squishes a human. Oh God, yeah, that that was intense. I mean, I was not expecting something That like was kind of like, they never did that in a cartoon. Yeah, well again, you've got Daniel Warren Johnson here. He's not scared to uh, to, to take a violent turn. So. Well, and when, when I um, called my local comic shop, and uh, requested that one of these be put in my poll. Um, I'll name drop him, Jonathan. You know, Jonathan, a great guy, great, yeah, great, very guy. great guy. He knows a lot about comic books. Hello, um, Jonathan. He told me he had read the book, and it was a more. He said it was a more adult take on the Transformers, and seeing those final couple of panels, it's like, oh boy, yeah, it is a more adult take on the transformers yeah which is which is really cool i'm hoping we see a lot more stuff like that actually a lot more you know make it ultra violent i i think that's awesome well and that's just that's just starscream wait till uh they introduce megatron oh god well i, I can't wait but <laughs> 
yeah, uh, really, really cool stuff. Um, again, win-win from, from both of us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Hello, and welcome back to the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. We are here with a very special creator guest. We have Josh Trujillo on the line. Josh, thank you so much for, again, carving time out of your day to talk to us. Greatly, greatly appreciated. How the heck are you? Uh, I'm doing really well. Uh, they're, I think I told you, they're ripping out all the pipes in my apartment. So it's a little <laughs> bit of a war zone back here in California. Hey, well, that's awesome. Um, at least it's it's just pipes, you know? It's not... A... <laughs> no, absolutely. You're, you're still in your apartment, at least. So that's a good sign. Um... <laughs> They didn't move you out for the time being, give you like a porta potty or anything, because that would be terrible. But no. <laughs> um, yeah, again, uh, so great to have you here. We're really excited to have you on the show. Me and my co-host Bob, uh, Bob usually doesn't do the interviews with me. He usually just does the the show proper. But um, he was really excited when I mentioned your name and and again some of those writing credits you have. He's like, oh, you're having Josh on. That's awesome. So yeah, we're really excited to have you here. I know uh, the community is really excited to hear from you. You're not somebody who like shies away from interviews. There's lots out there of you. Uh, lots of, I mean, if you just type in your name to YouTube, like, you know, the list that comes up. So really, really cool to have a creator who who gets into the community and talks to the community and all of that. I know that uh, myself and then all of our audience appreciates that. So really, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I want to intro you and, and let me... Let me go ahead and ask you to forgive me for this because I lifted this from your site. So, uh, uh, Josh Trujillo is a writer, editor, and narrative designer based in Los Angeles. He has worked with clients including Marvel, Gearbox, Telltale Games, Netflix, and DC Comics, among others. So, there's your uh, little intro again, lifted from your bio on your own site. But yeah, your your work spans all over the place. You've you've done lots and lots of cool stuff. Uh, and uh, some of the projects that I wanted to include are Dodge City, which holy crap, dude, one of one of my favorites. I I love that book. It's so fun. I remember that book coming out, and I have a good friend who didn't live near a comic book shop, so. I would pick up my books and then he would give me a list every week of, of what he wanted to pick up. And when Dodge City was first coming out, he put that on the list and I wasn't familiar. So I was like, well, what is Dodge City? So I had a couple of days before I had to meet up and give him the book. So I read it and I was like, oh, okay, this is going on my pool too. This is awesome. So I uh, really loved that book a lot. Um, also, you co-created uh, Aaron Fisher over at uh, United States of Captain America. Another really, really cool character, really great book over there. Uh, you've written for Rick and Morty, Agresuko, uh, Adventure Time. And then you did that really awesome Hulkling Wiccan Infinity comic, which I love so much, uh, and, and lots of other things there. I know uh, we're here to talk about your new volume of Blue Beetle over at DC, but yeah, just I have to point those things out because just some amazing, amazing work there. Oh, thank you. No, thank you so much. Uh, you've done your homework. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, I again, like, you know, I, I told you off air, like I, I read your stuff. Um, I'm an active reader of your stuff. Your stuff is really good. So not even didn't even need to do any homework. I'm just like looking through my, you know, 
boxes of comics and i'm like oh here's a josh comic here's a josh comic um so yeah uh really really excited to have you on uh, again really cool i think that there's been like a few times you know where we've done these interviews we we do the show and all of that and uh there's there's just been like a I want to say like a handful of times where I've had a creator on and I'm usually pretty like nonchalant. Like I don't get like super nervous or anything, but you know, I had Tyler Crook on a while ago and that one, I was a little, you know, nervous to talk to him just because he's such a, a big influence, you know, in my life. And I read all of his stuff and, and all of his art is just mind blowing. And uh, uh, same thing with Sue Lee. And, and now we have you on. So, so a little bit nervous, but <laughs> I'll I'll calm down, <laughs> but yeah, um, I want to talk about this uh, volume of Blue Beetle. How did this come about? Um, did you have to pitch something to DC, or did they contact you after wrapping up graduation day and they're like, "Hey, you got to continue on here and tell another story"? How did this come about? Gosh, so it's a long it's a long story, but the short <laughs> version, <laughs> yeah. Uh, DC Comics a few years ago had a competition called the Round Robin, and mm -hmm. it was kind of like a bracket style elimination tournament. So um, different creative teams were basically competing with their pitches and the winner got at their pitch greenlit into a miniseries. So I pitched Blue Beetle and long, th that didn't work out so well. So we got <laughs> to the semifinals or quarterfinals and uh, we got eliminated. We lost to a Suicide Squad pitch by uh, Rex Ogle, which is a good friend of mine. So <laughs> I, I'd rather lose to a friend. Um, sure. But the book that won was Robins by Tim Seeley. And so I thought that was kind of the end of it. But maybe about a year later, I got a call from my editor, Andrew Marino. And he's like, oh, yeah, Blue Beetle's back on. Like, we're going to do graduation day. We're going to do your pitch. And so that was like, I never thought in a million years because we talked about doing something with Blue Beetle for years. And uh, it really happened. So we created the graduation day kind of outline and the story. We brought on um, Adrian Gutierrez, who's our talented superstar artist, Will Quintana, our colorist, Lucas Gattoni, our letterer. Uh, and we've just kind of been Team Beetle ever since. But we did the first six issues. I think the last one came out in like May or June. And mm -hmm. we relaunched with a new number one. We're no longer a miniseries. We're an ongoing series. And so that cool. came out just a few weeks ago. And issue uh, two drops, I think, next week, actually, the first Tuesday every month. Yep. Yeah. That's dropping. I, I, I can't remember this list. It said the third or the second, but yeah, uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely. That second issue is coming out and um, you know, that that's a, a good thing to point out. And of course we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show and everything, but um, you know, you're still at the, the beginning of this new series. And like you said, ongoing series. So uh, what better time than right now to make sure that, you know, whenever you hit up your local comic book shop this week, you pick up issue number two, go back. And if you haven't picked up issue number one, which who the hell hasn't, but pick up issue number one and then make sure that that's added to your pool. Make sure you let your local comic book shop know, you know, pre FOC to order issue number three and so on. So um, yeah, uh, I, I always like to point that out, but yeah, we'll, we'll point that out right at the beginning here. Um, what can you tell us, if, if anything, uh, again, uh, I, I don't want to pry too much and have, you know, big spoilers sure. out there or anything like that, but uh, what can you tell us about Scarab War? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, in Graduation Day, our kickoff miniseries, Jaime really struggled with kind of finding his place in, in this DC universe after high school graduation. Sure. And his journey kind of took him to Palmera City, which is kind of like a uh, a Silicon Valley and the Gulf Coast is what I say. It has a little bit of the old world 
classic culture, Latino community. And then it also has the new, it has the high tech, it has Cord Industries, it has LexCore, it has all these big businesses. And so there's kind of that tension there. And Jaime's in the middle of it, you know, he's kind of pulled different ways too. You know, he's from El Paso, Texas, famously, and he's, you know, kind of a, a home homegrown kid who happens to have the most powerful artifact in the DC universe on his back. So, uh, you know, Jaime kind of got into a lot of uh, adventures and misadventures in, in the Graduation Day miniseries. And along the way, we found some new beetles. We found our yellow beetle, Dynastus. We found our green beetle, Natida. And we interacted with some new characters like Victoria Cord, Fade Away, uh, and a couple other surprises along the way. And so really, we're in a new position where uh, Jaime has kind of found his confidence again, him and his scarab Kajida are working together. And what does it mean to be a leader, basically, is Jaime's story. And, you know, he has this team of allies around him, including Starfire, including Ted Cord, the second Blue Beetle. And what do you do when you have all this potential? You need to be a leader as well. And so he's being put in a position in Scarab War that's really going to test his mettle in that way. And then at the same time, uh, what's testing him is this new threat, this mysterious uh, villain known as the Blood Scarab, who has mm -hmm. ties to not only Jaime and Kaji Da, but also Dan Garrett, the original Blue Beetle from the, the Golden Age. So we kind of draw a through line from all of Beetle history, and it kind of comes to a head here in Scarab War. Yeah, and this first issue is like it's it's packed. Like there is it, you know, for anybody who hasn't read it yet, number one, what the hell are you doing? Go out and pick it up and make sure you read it. But number two, it's 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 packed. Like you said, there's there's other Beatles in there, there's a lot going on. Um, it's a very action-packed first issue, and and you've got Jaime, like you said, he's he's you know, post-graduation, he's he's kind of into that new role, that new uh I don't, I don't know exactly what you call it, but that new milestone, you know, he's, uh, he's adulting now. He's got to figure it out and everything. Um, and it's, it's really cool. Uh, there's so many ideas packed into this, but it doesn't feel like, you know, loose threads or anything like that. It feels very contained and very, like, you just want to know what's going to happen in the story. It, it's, it's written very, very well. And like you talked about, uh, whenever we started the conversation, the illustration is in, in this is just mind blowing. Um, you've really paired up with with the perfect creative team to be able to tell the story that you're telling. Uh, it's very complimentary of one another. Uh, very complimentary of of your writing. I, you know, I always ask this question, but you know, uh, really important here. How did that team up work? I know, obviously, you know, the illustration carried over from graduation day, but. Uh, did, did you pitch the creative team to DC? Did they uh, kind of team you guys up? Well, I wish I could say I could take credit for that, but <laughs> it's really the sharp eye from our editor, uh, Andrew, mm -hmm. who found Adrian Gutierrez, who's based in Spain, yep. and Will Quintana is our colorist, you know, a veteran of the industry, and he's based in Florida. And then our letterer, that's my contribution, is I found <laughs> Lucas Catoni. Um, right. <laughs> and, you know, Blue Beetle Graduation Day and the Blue Beetle Ongoing are published in English as well as Spanish. Yes. And so we're the only book that DC's publishing that does that. And Lucas is a big part of that. You know, mm -hmm. he, we have a translation team, but Lucas is the only letterer in comics lettering in two languages at the same time. And so he deserves all the flowers in the world for that. <laughs> so we've bought, we all bonded really, really quickly. I want to say Adrian and I have like, 
you know, he's, he's such a sweetheart and he's so enthusiastic about the character. And I'm, it, I really think my writing and his art just kind of like do, they do match each other in a lot of ways. And it's, it's only getting better. Um, mm -hmm. There's a, a double page spread in issue three that uh, I think it's going to, Adrian's going to get work for the rest of his career. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, to be able to pull off, like, you know, those double page spreads, that's, that's a huge feat, you know, and, and whenever those things pop and hit, like, uh, nothing better than that. That's that's one of my favorite things in comic books that that I can think of. Uh, now, this this might be like a weird question, so you'll have to excuse me. But this this was from the community, so I I promise I didn't. Of course. This one. Um, <laughs> so some people, and and I I'm definitely saying some because I I've never felt this way. Relate Blue Beetle to Spider-Man. Again, never felt this yeah, way. I get course. that they, they both have the teenage thing going on. They both have the family dynamics, whatever. But uh, I, I mean, I would personally, if I had to relate Blue Beetle to anyone, it'd probably be closer to like Dark Hawk or something. But but hey, either way, that's that's a whole other conversation. Um, does Peter Parker or Spider-Man influence you at all whenever you're writing this book, whenever you're writing the character? Do you, if, if so, how do you differentiate the two? Again, I, I don't personally really see it, but. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I think they're, it's fair to make those comparisons. They're both teen heroes that have their yeah. kind of down on their luck moments. They've got a big supporting cast. We've got some light soap opera elements. So I, you know, I, I grew up reading old reprints of the college age Spider-Man. So I'm yeah. sure it's in my DNA, but uh, <laughs> Jaime is his unique character, but you know, uh, Ted Cord, the second Blue Beetle, was designed uh, by Steve Ditko, who co-created mm -hmm. Spider-Man with Stan Lee. So there's a little bit of that spider blood, I think, in in <laughs> the Beatles, whether whether you want to admit it or not. Um, mm -hmm. But it's honestly it's super flattering to compare Jaime to the biggest character in comics. <laughs> so I'm sure. not insulted by that <laughs> at all. Um, but I think you know what separates Jaime is really kind of his supporting cast, that the way he interacts with the DC universe, and I think his heart is a little bit different. You know, I think I think family is at the forefront of kind of the Blue Beetle legacy, and that's not necessarily something we always see in uh, other teen heroes. And mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of what makes him unique. And of course, his culture, you know, he has such a rich culture to draw on. It, it, you could tell infinite stories just pulling from that. Yeah, exactly. The culture is a very, very important part of this character in this book. Um, uh, like you, you talked about a minute ago, it's, I mean, I don't even know if I can think of another comic outside of DC either that's that's publishing in English and in, in Spanish, but I'm sure uh, maybe something exists out there. But, uh, you know, you guys definitely got me with that because I promise you I can't understand. I can't read any any Spanish or, or, or anything like that at all. I was picking up both, you know, <laughs> in, in, you know for, for each one of the graduation day issues. Now, I didn't see a Spanish version at my local shop of this new ongoing um, maybe it was there. Uh, maybe he ordered lighter and, and they all got picked up by the time I got there. I'm not sure. But um, but yeah, through the mini series, I was like, damn it. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick up the, the Spanish and the English issues and, and have both of them. So I've got both of those. But uh, no regrets, you know, super. super no, awesome it's, uh, no, I'm so proud of DC. You know, I didn't have to push mm -hmm. very hard um, <laughs> yeah. to make that happen, honestly. Uh, you know, uh, Jaime is a big character to kind of the Latino community, the Hispanic community. And uh, it's, I wanted to include a lot of Spanish language dialogue without subtitles or translation uh, mm -hmm. in the book, not to make it hard to read for people who speak English. We, the context is always there. But, you know, Jaime grew up in a bilingual household like so many of us. 
And uh, it's really important to kind of like, I think, to reflect that in the stories that we're telling about Jaime. And mm -hmm. um, the Spanish edition, you know, I was just hoping we would get a couple of, you know, a couple of Spanish lines of dialogue in every issue. DC is yep. like, no, we want to do a full Spanish language <laughs> edition. And so that, you know, the, you can pick up the graduation day trade that's available in Spanish as well. All the single issues are printed in Spanish and mm -hmm. hopefully we can continue that for the rest of the run. But that really depends on shops too. You know, this is a big experiment for DC. So yep. every, every shop I know tells me they sell out of the Spanish edition, but if you only sell out of one copy, that doesn't necessarily mean as much. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I can tell you, you know, my shop here, my my local comic book shop that I go to, definitely uh, ordered pretty heavy on the the Spanish edition, um, and 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 had, I mean, I, I say heavy, you know, probably had like four or five copies, which is, you know, uh, no, nothing small. Um, definitely of the English version, you know, they had quite quite a few more copies of. But, no, I, I uh, can't thank the shops that have supported. If you've supported the Spanish edition, yeah. I mean, you were doing the Lord's work, like, <laughs> thank you. Like, I know it's a risk. There's nothing else like it in comics right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the people I know who buy the Spanish language edition, they don't necessarily pick up any other DC comics. They don't necessarily yeah. pick up any English language comics. You know, it's something that a lot of parents, I just did um, Latino Comics Expo in mm -hmm. Long Beach. And, you know, there were a lot of people who were just shocked that yeah. uh the book was available in spanish and i think just getting the word out there is really going to turn on new readers to the character as well yeah no completely agreed and there's you know this is a little bit of weird news like a side note but uh i just saw this morning that spotify is going to be using uh ai to translate podcasts actually uh in in different languages uh they're going to try to you know use the host voice like in, in some manner using ai or whatever but um I, I could see the pitfalls and the benefits to that. So, uh, so I, I don't have any qualms about it at all, but, um, no, I always tell people, uh, you know, you can go, you can go on your phone and you can just mm -hmm. wave your camera over the Spanish language dialogue and it'll translate yep. it for you. If you use like Google translate or whatever. And like, it's incredible. You know, I, I can read Spanish pretty well. Um, I'm not, I'm never going to try to speak it. it. Everyone would just get offended. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we have, we have a, a you know, a, a top-notch translation team and everyone's hearts in it. And I think that's yeah. like, I think it shows. Yeah. And it's, it's very important. And, and again, uh, like, like with everything else that, you know, we've been talking about lately, um, especially with our creator interviews, you know, we, we always like to talk about, um, diversity inclusion and stuff like that. And I mean, you're, you're no stranger to that whatsoever. You, you incorporate a lot of that into your books, uh, and, and for DC to, you know, really support that. And then, uh, especially, you know, like, like, like we're saying here, they're, they're, um, publishing this in Spanish and in English to make sure that, uh, they can, they can uh, attract the widest audience possible. Um, that's, that's really awesome. Uh, really, really cool. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk about is, it has to be so awesome to have this book drop right whenever the, you know, right around the same time the movies dropped um, in theaters. I think it's might be streaming some places now, but it's, it's like out there for a, a very wide audience. Uh, yeah, I think it went digital today. I think you, yeah. can, I, whenever we're, we recorded this, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you can buy the, like the digital copy if, so cool. uh, yeah, from your home. God, I can't wait. Um, was it intimidating at all? Do you find it intimidating to to write a book with like a huge spotlight on it right now? You know, because everybody who who's going to check this out at the theaters or or whatever, you know, is going to want to pick up a copy of the book and learn a little bit more about the character and all of that. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always that pressure to it, right? But for me, mm -hmm. I think the real pressure was there have been so many great Blue Beetle comics in the, written mm -hmm. up to this point, not just the the Jaime stuff, but if you go back to the Ted Court stuff by Len Wein, mm -hmm. or you go even further back to the Dan Garrett stuff from the Golden Age, you know, these are really important big comics. And I just wanted to love, match them. You know what I mean? This is yes. really, the graduation day in particular is really a love letter to the character, but also the John Rogers, Keith Giffen, Coley Hamner, Raphael Albuquerque run mm -hmm. of the book from the 2000s when I was starting to get into comics really for the first time. And yes. so I wanted to do right by them. And, you know, I wanted also to make sure that this book is friendly to new readers who maybe they don't know the character or maybe they saw the character in the movie and they don't know the DC universe or maybe they've never read a comic before. And mm -hmm. so we, we work really hard. It's always the cliche, but you know, they say every comic is someone's first comic. And like, I truly believe that. And like, you got to make sure that you're like making sure the audience can keep up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I love that you bring up, you know, a lot of those, uh, creators who've worked on blue beetle and, and the blue beetle before, um, we had Raphael Albuquerque on just, uh, I want to say a couple of months ago, and, and, and we talked about Blue Beetle quite a bit because it was, I think it was around the time um, we were getting like that second trailer and we were just starting to understand a little bit about the movie. And, you know, we asked Raphael, uh, you know, what do you know about the upcoming movie? What do you, uh, what do you hope they include and in all of that? And I mean, uh, the, the level of excitement that Raphael, you know, displayed here about this movie coming to screen and possibly, you know, he's like, even even if just a, a panel is shadowed or something, you know, up there on the big screen yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, he, he just felt, you know, so honored that something that he worked on was going to be on the big screen and, and all of that. And, and, and of course, um, you know, somebody as, as big as Raphael Albuquerque to, to hear some, you know, that he's humbled so much by, by something like that is so cool. Um, a, a really cool creator, really, really great guy. Happy we got to talk to him. But um but yeah, do you see any of your now uh, again? I know these are coming out, you know, like kind of in the same time, and I'm not sure, you know, how long ago you you began writing the story and all of that. So, uh, are you seeing anything shadowed from from anything that you've uh, worked on, or 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 vice versa? You know, um, you know, uh, I'll talk about the Rafael Albuquerque part first. When mm -hmm. I was reading Blue Beetle in the monthly series, yeah. I went online. I used my stepdad's credit card to buy <laughs> uh, to buy an unused cover design from Rafael through, you know, a vendor or something. And so yeah. I still have it. Um, oh, I still have this unused cover design for I think it was issue <laughs> seven. So I was I was on Blue Beetle from the very beginning, awesome. um, and, and so I I have nothing but respect for the master. Uh, and it's so amazing that I have that we're working on the same character. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's like mind blowing. And then for the you know for the movie, um, there are elements from the, the the movie that we introduce in the comics for the first time. Palmera City and Ted's sister Victoria Cord, who hadn't appeared in comics up to that point. Um, we knew some broad strokes. DC when they when we started to pitch Graduation Day, they're like, you know, we have a movie coming up. We know that Jaime is going to be the movie is going to be set in this new city, yep. and we haven't really developed what that means yet. And we know that Ted's going to have a sister in the movie. Do you want to introduce those things? And like, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. And it was also really interesting because I didn't read a script. I don't know what those characters do in the movie. I was just kind of guessing. And if you read Graduation Day and especially the ongoing, it's amazing how like kind of similar they are. And not even just like in terms of the story or the characterization, but also in the way that uh, that Adrian draws everything. It 
it's some some of the shots look almost very similar. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's like <laughs> one shot in particular that I'm like, that's literally people will think that that's from our comic, but it we came up with it at the same time. So cool! It's it's so cool how that uh, ends up happening. Sometimes uh, it got to be such a, a a cool feeling there. Now I I haven't like uh, researched enough to know, and and again I haven't seen the movie yet, sadly. But I now that I know I can buy it digitally, I'm still I don't know why I'm still a little hesitant to go to something like a movie theater. Uh, again, I, I've I've oh, had COVID before. It, it it was horrible. It sucked really really bad, and I never want to get it again. And you know I work in the public and all of that, but. Uh, but some, something about movie theaters, I'm like, man, I'm a little scared. Um, and, and I hate being like that, but it happens. But um, is, so, sorry, uh, does, nope, I completely lost my train of thought there. My bad. <laughs> I, I will. Oh, you're fine. I think that, um, <laughs> I, I'm really excited about the movie being out in home video or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And so I think it's going to really, there are a lot of people who, you know, are hesitant to go to theaters again. Yeah. Or they've kind of been trained to wait for it to go on HBO Max or whatever. Yep. And I think this is the kind of it's a perfect family movie. It's definitely it just it it leads with its heart and I think that uh I loved it. I've seen it three times, but of course I would say I loved it. But I swear it's good. <laughs> uh but you know, it's uh it's I the kind of thing that I wish I wish I had when I was growing up. I wish I had it for a sleepover. I wish I had it to watch with my little brother. And oh, yeah. now we have it. Yeah, and and I love that you you point out that it's a family movie there. So so you know we all know that uh, we can take um, you know younger siblings. We can take you know people can take their families, their children, and all that. It's really awesome. Uh, you know, for the most part, a, a lot of superhero movies, a lot of comic book movies, and all of that uh, are are pretty family friendly. But um, you know, we we have our surprises here and there. So so good to hear a, a review of that. Were you on? Did you? Did you go to a premiere of this movie? Um, were you like invited to a premiere or anything? Ish. You know, because of the uh, writers and actors strikes, they didn't have mm -hmm. a proper premiere. Oh, okay, um, okay. Gotcha. But the uh, they had a couple of fan events throughout the country. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to make it. I wanted to walk down that blue carpet. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, maybe someday. Uh, but it's... I got kind of swept up in all the excitement around the movie because graduation day was obviously coming out around the time the hype was building. Yep. And so I don't have anything to do with the movie, but mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, the actor Jolo and the director on hell, you know, we message sometimes on Twitter or uh, whatever we're calling it now. Yeah. And, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. And uh, <laughs> they're, they're so enthusiastic about the book and mm -hmm. the characters and they just, I, you know, the movie's already out. They don't have to be nice to me anymore. But Jola just messaged me two nights ago. He's like, I just read issue one. I can't believe you did that to that character. <laughs> yeah, so cool. It has to be uh, such such a cool feeling. Um, now, one of the other questions that I want to ask you is not specifically uh, Blue Beetle related. So so excuse me for that. But um, I, I do want to talk about, you know, I brought it up at the, the head of the show. Uh, you've been in included a lot of inclusion and diversity into your books and characters. Uh, that is something that's so important to us here at, uh, you know, all new, all different number one comics podcast. Uh, me and my co-host are, are very, very big into inclusion, diversity. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, everybody can crack open a comic and, and see like a, you know, a version of themselves or something. Um, not just the, the same group over and over again. Uh, I, I think that you've, or I imagine you've probably gotten a, a lot of great responses from that. Um, and, and 
question I have to ask, you know, is there any advice? And, and again, kind of a generic question. You'll have to excuse me for it. Probably a question a, a lot of people ask, but um, we do have a lot of up and coming creators, you know, who listen to the show. A lot of times, you know, we, we get these emails or, 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 you know, messages that say, Hey, I'm just starting out. You know, I'm a 13 year old kid. I want to write my first script or whatever. You guys always talk to these creators, you know, can you ask them this? Can you ask them that? Um, how, how can, what advice do you have for those up and coming creators to, to tell those types of stories, to really challenge themselves and, and, you know, create a space that's diverse and inclusive? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like to, my goal, whether it's in my comic work or I also work in video games, but mm -hmm. um, I like to show the world as I see it, as I live in it. I want people to see themselves in fictional worlds. I want people from different backgrounds to see themselves. I want people from different classes to see themselves in fictional worlds. You know, um, I think we kind of focus on a certain types of people, certain mm -hmm. classes of people, and there's so many more stories to tell. And it's about finding what's authentic to you. And, you know, Jaime and I have some, some similarities for sure. And uh, it feels natural to write for him. But there are a lot of characters that I don't have that particular background that I write for. You know, uh, Zhao Mara, our Yellow Beetle Dynastis, um, you know, she's from El Salvador. You know, I'm not from El Salvador. But um, one of my best friends growing up, who was always so supportive of me in comics, uh, he is. And that led to a lot of conversations. In a way, I wanted to honor that friendship and honor him. But also, I wanted that authenticity. I wanted to know, like, what what separate what makes that culture distinct and what is important to you in seeing a character like that because there's never been as far as i can tell an el salvadorian hero in superhero comics mm -hmm. and so i'm really proud to be a part of that and i hope after i'm done or while i'm still writing it i don't care but like i hope other creators who are of those backgrounds can can see that and either be inspired by it or just like pick up the pen and start do the next generation of dynastic stories mm -hmm. um and so like, it's not, you're never going to get it perfect, but I think you can do your homework. And I think if you try to be authentic and you try to lead with your heart and you try to be uh, kind about it, I think people really read that and they don't, it doesn't feel like you're like painting by numbers. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and so I, I would say that, and then also to like the aspiring creators in the room or who are listening or, uh, you know, uh, I don't like when people say they're an aspiring writer or an aspiring artist. Like mm -hmm. you, if you write, you're a writer. If you do art, you're an artist and you need to own that. Don't feel insecure because you haven't created the perfect comic yet. You know, uh, perfect is the enemy of good and the enemy of done. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I mean this in the nicest way. No one's going to read your first comic. So mm -hmm. get it out there. There's this, um, there's this, uh, classic animator named Chuck Jones. He did a lot of Looney Tunes stuff. And he has this quote that every artist has a million bad drawings and it's just better to get them done now. Yep. And I totally believe that. You only get better by doing it. And whether that means one panel per week, whatever your schedule allows, you know, don't break your life to, to produce art, but find a place for it in your life and make sure you have a consistent output and you'll improve. And I think you'll find meaning from that yeah and that's you know uh I, I love the way you put that thank you by the way that's that's very uh encouraging advice for for everybody up and coming um 
one of the things that that we hear the most whenever we ask questions like that is 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 kind of you know stop giving yourself excuses and just get up and do it i mean you, you said it much nicer than that of course but um but you know you can you can think of a million reasons not to get up and write something you don't have the experience you don't have this uh whatever you're you're too young you're too old uh, none of it matters you know get up and do it uh get up and 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 begin you know learning to illustrate if that's what you want to do if you want to write start writing uh that's that's what it takes and uh you figure it out as you go uh it's it's, it's a process it's just like you know anything anybody else does uh i i tell the story a lot of times i for for years and years i listened to um Kevin Smith's podcast. I was, I was really, uh, I, I love Kevin Smith. You know, I grew up in the nineties, whatever. I uh, <laughs> love dick and fart jokes. I don't know why, but, um, but uh, you know, I, I, I listened to his podcast and then, you know, always being a big, um, you know, comic book reader and collector, I began listening to comic book podcasts and just podcasts started taking over my life. And, and, and I kept thinking to myself, I want to have a podcast, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what an RSS feed is. I don't have a microphone, you know, all of this stuff. And I gave myself a million reasons. And then and then I said, no, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just going to get up and do it. And I love it. Uh, I love what I do. It's so fun. I get to talk to people like you, um, which is amazing, you know, uh, not to flatter you or anything. I mean, I own a lot of your comics. Like, you know, you're somebody who I look up to and I read your stuff and, and I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you. And the only reason that I'm able to do that is because I, I stopped giving myself excuses and I got up and did it. So, uh, so again, you put it much, much better than I did, but, but get up and do it. You know, uh, that's, that's the best advice anybody could give. It's harder to do it than to just say that. Right. But like, yes. Um... Oh, yes. Uh, there's a quote from Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis, who's a big mm -hmm. comic book writer. He wrote Ultimate Spider-Man and a million other things. Yes. But I, I always <laughs> look to that Ultimate Spider-Man run and I'm like, I want to do 140 issues of the same character. What a dream. <laughs> oh, um, God, yeah. And, uh, you know, he says it takes 10 years to get your first paycheck in comics. And that almost lines up to the minute for me. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, you just have to keep doing it and mm -hmm. you have to find time for it and you have to get you'll get better at it. And like, yes. it's, I'm very grateful to get to do what I get to do. You know, if, if Blue Beetle's it, that's, I did it. You know what I mean? Like I, yep. it's, it's, it's such a gift. Um, and so I, I hope everyone like sees that if Josh can do it, like literally anyone can do it. <laughs> no, give yourself a little more credit than that. You're a very good writer. Um, now, uh, again, kind of uh, off topic, and then and then I'll reel it back in for the end here. But um, I, I have to ask. So you again, you got to excuse me for this one. Something sure. very very interesting to me that you have up and coming. Um, that's I, I think it's it's still pre FOC, I believe. I'll have to look at the date. But um, is, is your new book for Opus? Um, oh and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If anybody's unfamiliar with Opus, they're they're like a music themed publisher. A lot of their comics have to do with like bands, especially like metal bands and stuff like that. But um, uh, the the one that you're doing is is for the band The Offspring, and it's titled The Offspring Let the Bad Times Roll. And again, growing up in the '90s, I of course loved The Offspring, and mm -hmm. I grew up punk rock. So um, they were on Nitro Records. They they put out stuff, uh, you know, alongside AFI and Guttermouth and the Vandals and and all of that. So this is like uh, this is like a dream come true for me because you you're writing it. I love your writing. Uh, I love Opus's output. It's been really cool since they began, and and it's got The Offspring. It's you know got some punk rock from my childhood there. So. How the heck did that happen was 
I, I have to know about this. Uh, so Whatever you can uh, where do I start? So uh, <laughs> yeah. the first concert I ever went to was to see The Offspring. And this was like oh, in 1996, amazing. not to yep. date myself too much. <laughs> but um, the Spice Girls were the biggest thing in the world that month. Yep. And so I remember the lead singer, uh, Dexter, he yep. uh, he spoke to the crowd and he's like, the Spice Girls bleep and suck. And the crowd <laughs> went wild. And I was like yeah. in sixth grade or something. And I was like, yep. I was blown away that someone could say something like that on stage. But um, <laughs> I loved, you know, the offspring for a, they were a very hardcore punk band mm -hmm. and they found some success in the mainstream with songs like Pretty Fly for a White Guy. And they've kind of reverted back to their, their roots, which I really appreciate. But they have this new this newer album, Let the Bad Times Roll, and it's kind of Dia de los Muertos inspired. It has some flavor <laughs> to it. So they wanted to do a comic kind of like to celebrate the new album. And so I had done a, a Bill and Ted comic for them for Opus Publishing mm -hmm. last year. And it was a Bill and Ted Day of the Dead, which I love when titles rhyme. Yes. So <laughs> uh, we had, I had a super fun time doing that. And they emailed me and they're like, do you want, do you know anything about the band, The Offspring? And I was like, this is like cosmic. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yes, I know The Offspring. So, uh, it, you know, it's uh, also Day of the Dead themed, which mm -hmm. is hilarious. I, I guess I, I, I am a pigeon, or I was typecast in a way, but uh, I, it's not a bad place to be. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a more adult comic than I'm, I typically do it. I write, I'm write, co-writing it with my very good friend, Terry, Terry Blas, mm -hmm. who did uh, Reptile for Marvel Comics, who has um, Lifetime Passes from Shirley and all sorts of other stuff. And so we've been kind of like just bouncing the script back and forth together. And we have a really good rhythm going on. Um, but it's like, it's got some edge. It's got some violence. It's more of a horror book, I'll say. Oh, and um, it's we themed it after the album. We don't say that in the script mm -hmm. or in the, on the page, but uh, in the script we reference like this scene is this song, this scene is this song. And so I hope if you listen to where, "Let the Bad Times Roll," you'll see some inspiration from each track in the comic itself. Yeah, uh, again, so excited about this one. I I, I, I can't say enough uh, cool stuff about it. I'm I'm really excited for that to come out, and I think that. I imagine that that comic's going to do very, very well for you. So, uh, so very cool. Um, and I don't have, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even put in my notes uh, when the FOC or when that book comes out. I wanted to make sure I kept it as Blue Beetle related as possible. So I think so I it's November, but don't quote me on that. I just got an email mm -hmm. that I think it might be double solicited for December. I don't even know if that's a thing, oh, yeah. but <laughs> I think it, I, you can pick it up in shops in November. Yeah, very cool. Well, well, yeah, just... Uh, just to throw that out there for you know everybody listening, you're going to want to pick that up. So you, you still probably have a little bit of time if it's coming out in November before FOC. So hit your local shop up and let them know you want that on your pool as well as Blue Beetle, um, the ongoing. So make sure that that happens. Uh, last couple of questions I want to ask you. Um, uh, again, a, another kind of oddball question. It's coming up on Halloween. We're, we're you know just about a month out. Uh, I don't know if you dress up or not. Um, if so, what are you dressing up as? Uh, if not, what are some of your favorite past costumes you've done? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to figure out what my outfit is actually. Um, awesome. uh, my boyfriend's doing a Barbenheimer look, which I can't <laughs> spoil cool. what, what it's going to turn <laughs> out, but it's like, it's really funny. Uh, and so, uh, I am probably, I got to keep up. So I'm, I'm thinking it might be anime inspired and my pull from my, one of my favorite, I'm thinking like a tuxedo mask, maybe it feels kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of hot here in LA. So with a full tuxedo sure. is kind of a bit much, but um, some other costumes I've done in the past, I've done Jughead, 
from Archie Comics. I've done oh, like I've been a clown. I've done some like Waluigi is something I do a lot actually because I'm oh, like, tall, cool. tall and lanky and I have the mustache usually. <laughs> um, so just stuff like that. But uh, I I love Halloween. I'm so excited this year. Um, it's nice because you know we've been pulled up in our homes for so long. Like yep. you get to actually go to like a Halloween party or even just like trick or treat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, just have fun with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about Halloween this year. Um, I I don't I I hate uh, aging myself, but you know I'm I'm hitting uh, just a couple of days away. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit forty. So um so happy uh, birthday. <laughs> thank you. Um, but uh, I haven't dressed up in so long. So I was like, you know what? I I'm gonna stop giving myself an excuse for that. I'm just gonna do it this year. My band is actually playing um, a Halloween themed show on Friday the 13th coming up. So that's uh, so cool. Yeah, I was so excited about that. So I said, you know what? If we're playing the show, it's Friday the 13th. We're doing a Halloween set. We're all dressing up. Um, I haven't been a werewolf ever. So I said, I'm doing a werewolf costume. I'm going to do that and play drums and hopefully not sweat to death, but we'll see what happens. But um, really, really excited for Halloween this year. So, so yeah, everybody get the hell out there, dress up, have fun, dress up as blue beetle. Cause that sounds super fun and cool. I um, keep, I keep like every so often I'll go on eBay. I'm like, do they have, do I have an adult blue beetle costume? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they do actually. I think it might just be the kids costumes, Yeah, but sure. um it's kind of it'd be it'd be it might be too much for me to dress like Blue Beetle. I don't know. <laughs> That'd probably be the coolest thing ever, especially um, you know if if you just went out and nobody knew who was behind the mask. Um, <laughs> well, we don't know this is a Blue Beetle creator underneath here, but that's uh, true actually. <laughs> I just be, be anyone. <laughs> yeah, anonymous uh, Blue Beetle guy, but yeah, uh, very very cool. Now uh, again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. We hit the forty minute mark, so I I will uh, go quick, but. Um, Please name a comic uh, you suggest that uh, our listeners go pick up and read. Um, if, if you have one off the top of your head, if not, that's fine. It could be yours. It could be anybody else's, uh, something you've been reading or really enjoyed or, or something you want to push or whatever. You know, uh, recently I picked up, well, I'll name a couple of them. I picked up Frontera by mm -hmm. uh, Julio Anta and Jacoby Salcedo. It's okay. kind of like a, a border a border crossing kind of ghost story. It's really interesting. Oh, that sounds very cool. to it. Um, and it's just, it's the coolest thing. And then, um, you know, on the superhero side, uh, there's a great cyborg miniseries going on right now. Yes. Fantastic Hawk Grill series going on right now. This Dawn of DC books. Hands are, down, you know, that look, oh God, we covered it on the show and we, neither one of us knew much about Hawk Girl and, and we were blown away. Uh, I, I can't remember the writer's name, Judsa, I think. Oh, yeah, Judsa, yeah. Yeah, um, but but we contacted them, and, and they're actually uh, coming up on the show pretty soon, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, good. Let them know uh, I put in a good word. But, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the, the thing about these these Dawn of DC books, which is the big publishing line that DC's doing for, the, you know, they do like a big rollout every year. And so mm -hmm. Dawn of DC like spotlights a lot of these like, characters that just haven't gotten their moment in the sun in a while and exactly. so like cyborg hot girl uh and uh, doom patroller back and then also like mm -hmm. blue beetle of course like you yep. know uh and so it's just like it it means a lot that dc is willing to take a chance on these characters again yeah i i completely agree with you uh definitely you know uh get out of your comfort zone if you're only reading uh batman or spider-man or whatever go check out some of these characters because uh, you know, Josh and I both agree. If you pick up that Fox Girl series, you're gonna, I mean, mind blown. I was, I was not expecting much to tell you the truth. I, I, I've never read a, you know, Hawkman, Hawk Girl, and any of that stuff, you know, other than, you know, the minor like appearances in other books or whatever. 
Um, and I picked this thing up and I was just like, this is a wonderful, superb superhero book. This is written so well. The illustration, again, the team up there is just mind blowing. But yeah, take a chance on some of these uh, other characters because they have amazing stories to tell. These creators really, really put in the work and, and just make some awesome stuff. So thank you so much for suggesting those. Uh, I can't wait to read from Frontera. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Frontera. Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. I can't wait to go pick up a copy of that. Um, well, uh, again, Josh, I cannot thank you enough for, for coming on and speaking to me today. I know our audience really, really appreciates it. Uh, like I said, uh, Blue Beetle issue number two is going to hit comic book shops next week. That's uh, what DC drops on Tuesdays. So whatever the equivalent is, uh, maybe October 2nd, but definitely uh, Wednesday, October 3rd. That's when you go into your local comic book shop to pick up new books, go pick that up, make sure uh, you guys ask your local comic book shops. If, if you don't have issue number one, I, I don't assume anybody at this point doesn't have a copy of issue number one, but if you don't uh, go pick it up, I, I don't know, maybe they can still order it from DC or Lunar or whatever, but make sure you grab a copy of that. And, and first and foremost, the most important thing that you guys can do today is walk into your shop, send them an email, send them a Harry Potter owl, whatever you got to do, and let them know that uh, Blue Beetle needs to be on your pool. And you want a copy of it sitting in your pool box every single month uh, because uh, I, I, can, I can speak for uh, Josh right here. It's going to be amazing. You're going to want to see what happens in the story. Um, just judging off issue number one, some really amazing stuff there. Uh, Josh, please let our listeners know where they can find you. And if you have anything else you want to say or plug. Sure. Um, you can find me on the pages of Blue Beetle every month from DC Comics. <laughs> yes. We're ongoing. We're not a mini. So, um, you know, okay. we're here. <laughs> we're here till you kick us out. And uh, beyond that, um, you can find me on social media, pretty much any platform uh, at Lost His Keys Man. I lost my keys, man. Um, <laughs> True now story. I'm waiting for that to turn into a series. Um, but... Oh my God. Well, that's a character I used to doodle when I was a kid. And so mm -hmm. there's a Josh Trujillo who took the handle. He's a great guy we've met, but um, <laughs> we get mixed, we get, you know, and so, uh, yeah, so I, I've been lost as keys man ever since, but uh, beyond that, um, what else do I have going on? The offspring, uh, you let the bad times roll with Terry Blas comes out uh, in November. Um I have a holiday story in DC's uh, "Twas the Batmite Before Christmas," and oh, it cool. features um, one of my favorite characters, Bunker, and we're we're giving him his moment in the sun, and I'm super stoked about that. And a lot of fun stuff coming up in next year, and from various publishers. Amazing. Well, again, Josh, thank you so, so very much. I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking to us today. This has been like a big one. I can cross off my list and, and say that I spoke to you. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, thank you again. And, and, you know, please come back anytime. <laughs> no, of course. Happy to, happy to be here. And, uh, you know, when Scarab War wraps up, we can, we can, let's talk that. Oh yes, please. I'd love to. Well, have a wonderful day and thank you again. And we are back with episode number 39 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. Bob, let's hit them with the books that are coming out next week. But first, <laughs> it's disclaimer time with Bob. Uh, like, yeah, like I always say, this is reading from one source. So if you'd like a more in-depth list of books that are coming out next week, please consult elsewhere. So, starting the list from Marvel, we have Spider-Man India number 5. 
Bob, how stoked are we about this? Spider-Man India has been really, really good. I don't know if you've been following it, but it's an awesome series. This one's got the debut of Spider-Man India's new suit. Well, I mean, he was a really popular character in the Cross Spider-Verse. Yeah, very cool character in that movie, might I add. Uh, sticking with Marvel, we have Venom number 26. Stoked about this as well. First full appearance of Black Widow as Widow bonded to her symbiote. That is a very interesting premise. Yes. yes um, going to DC, we have World's Finest Teen Titans number four. A first possible team appearance of the Anti-Titans. Always weird those possible I first know, appearances. Exactly. It's either not, yeah, you know? I was gonna say it's either first appearance or it's not. There's <laughs> no possible first appearance. I don't know. So when when you start a new job, is it your possible first day? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You possibly could be starting. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, sticking with DC, we have Batman and Robin number two. Not to be confused with the movie. <laughs> oh god I wish there was a sequel right? <laughs> uh, this has the first full appearance of Shush a female villain reminiscent of Hush I'm sorry that's just some lazy naming right there <laughs> that's right up there with She Venom <laughs> She Venom She Venom <laughs> uh, sticking with DC we have Green Lantern number 4 the first appearance of Sinson, son of Sinestro, and enemy of the Super Sons. Bob, we can't even make this stuff up. I'm sorry, and I'm face palming so bad. Yeah, I can't make these names up. Sinson. Dan can't make these names up. <laughs> Unfortunately, somebody gets paid to make these names yeah, up. Well, absolutely. I think uh, Peter Tomasi uh, made this name up. So Hopefully, he was the one who made it up. Hopefully, somebody at DC <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah. if you want to write this book, you have to name it this character. <laughs> you have to name the character this. You gotta get Sinson up in there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have a Justice Society of America number seven. Again, with the possible first team appearances of the Justice Society Dark, who are mentioned in the solicitations for issue number eight. Are they going to be anything like Justice League Dark? Maybe. From DC, we get Wesley Dodds, the Sandman number one. A limited series in DC's Golden Age Hero Revival, the first appearance of a villain in possession of Sandman's deadly gases. I have ne I've never read anything about Sandman. Uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> uh, we have Batman City of Madness number one. Batman City of Madness, number one, is a three-issue limited series described as a story of cosmic horror and the first appearance of the Batman Below. Isn't that the Batman who laughs? <laughs> I don't know. Um, from Sumerian, we have American Psycho, number one. Excited about this one, honestly. I'm not into American Psycho very much. I think it's a, it's a little cringy for me, but I don't know. Uh, this is kind of like a sequel to the adaptation or a sequel adaptation to the to the movie. It's a four-issue series that serves as a sequel and introduces an all-new social media-obsessed psychopath. Yeah, the little bit I've seen of American Psycho, it's kind of like, eh, it's kind of cringy. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It, it, it absolutely is. Again, with the edgelord kind of thing. But 
I think that this will be interesting. It's got some really interesting looking art and everything. Hey, I'm down with who the artist is, or one of the artists are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't dream of being able to say that name, but yes, yes, absolutely. Pieter Kowalski. There you go. From, uh, from, um, oh, God. Where Monsters Lie. Yeah, Where Monsters Lie. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Amazing book. Uh, back to Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 35. Yes, this is the beginning of a 24-issue story arc where Peter Parker will transform into a goblin-inspired villain. Ooh, 24 issues. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, 24 issues of this. So it's going to be a two-year run. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We have another clone Zog on our hands. Well, I can not that it. bad. <laughs> Not that good. <laughs> uh, we have Superior Spider-Man Returns, number one. This one has the first appearance of a female villain with all the power of a living star. And the lead into an ongoing Superior Spider-Man. So story. is this going to be the return to Doc Ock <laughs> yeah. in Spider-Man's body? Uh, is it? Yeah. I, I'm, yes. I guess so. I mean, look at the cover. Yeah, it looks like it. Hmm. Okay. Um, from <laughs> Marvel, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to this Bob, one. Bob, I'm so excited about this one. Cap Wolf in the Howling Commandos, number one. Yes, the return of Cap Wolf. The only thing that I'm not excited about is this is only a four-issue limited series because I want this to just be an ongoing. Like an three, ongoing? Yeah. I love Cap Wolf. Like yes. a 30-issue like ongoing? Hell yeah, just keep it going. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to look at the creative team for this. Oh, look, it's Stephanie Phillips and Carlos... Uh, Magno, Magno. Sorry, I don't know who that is, but yeah, Stephanie Phillips. Holy crap, amazing writer. Uh, yeah, I. God, I can't wait for that one. And for Dan's sake, I don't know if I even want to talk about the last comic. No need to mention that one. We'll leave that one in <laughs> if you want to check it out, go to Key Collector and look at their uh, final book there. But yeah, I don't see any need to plug that. I don't think that. Uh, uh, we really need any more money flowing to that individual. So uh, <laughs> I'll leave it there. And and those are some of the new books that are coming out next week. Uh, Bob, no wheel spin this week. And and why is that? Because we, I, we, we had something <laughs> cool. We asked the public. Yeah, we did something different this time. I put up a poll on Instagram. I put up a poll on TikTok. And I put up a poll... On YouTube as well. That's I honestly you didn't know you could put polls on TikTok. I, I didn't know you could put polls on any of those things except <laughs> on Instagram. So, yeah, YouTube's got them as well. So, so we're going to try this out. We've got a community poll. And mm -hmm. uh, the winner of... Uh, well, let me start with the books that we put on the poll were... Uh, uh, sorry, Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, Gargoyle by Moonlight, uh, Knights, and A Haunted Girl. All new number ones that come out next week. And the winner of that, drumroll please, was A Haunted Girl number one. Uh, won by a pretty big margin there. But yeah, this is something that we wanted to try out. Not something we plan on doing every week by a long shot. But, you know, maybe once a month or something, we'll put up a poll, get you guys involved. Um, make sure that you are checking out our socials, though. Check us out on uh, Instagram, on TikTok, on uh, YouTube. Uh, to be involved in those polls so you can vote. But yeah, uh, we will be doing a Haunted Girl issue number one. 
very excited about that. It seems like quite a few people are very excited about that as well. So we love the uh, community involvement. So yeah, we would like to keep that up as much as possible. Bob, that leaves us with our last few things. It's time to say goodbye, but first, before we do... Goodbye. Let's plug some of those social media accounts. Uh, check us out on Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. Check us out on TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod. You can check us out on X. That's right. I won't even mention Twitter. Oh, no, I just What's did. What's Twitter? <laughs> it doesn't exist, so who knows? I've never heard of it. Absolutely. At A-N-A-D-N-O-Comic-Pod. And you can check us out on YouTube under the Comic Book Channel. And again, if you want to be involved next time that we do a poll, uh, make sure you're following us at all of those places so you can get that alert. This and every single week, we love to do a giveaway. I'd love to give away my beautiful copy of Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers number one. But you are going to have to use that hashtag, all new, all different nation, in a post of your choice to be entered for that giveaway. And Bob will gladly pack it up in a Gemini mailer, put it uh, Priority Express and I have, the house. I have plenty. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, way too many. And that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Uh, what's a really cool uh, Transformers like quote or send-off or something? Did they say anything cool at the end of each show? Autobots, roll out. There you go. <laughs>